everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Some Like It Pop, a bi-weekly look at the latest happenings in pop culture. I'm Editor-in-Chief Bradley Stern. I'm Managing Editor Samantha Vincenti. I'm Associate Editor Ali Zubiak. <laughs> and I'm Senior Writer Matt Donnelly. And today we have a very special guest who we'd definitely give the first impression rose to, <laughs> Miss Lolo. Hi guys, I'm happy to report that AskMen.com is a <laughs> website where you their their slogan is "Become a Better Man." So it's not as um you know pornographic as I was expecting, as which we is might have expected, a relief. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot about lasting longer in bed that's just kind of rotating around on the homepage. That's did so, you think that Ask Men was like going to be just a series of like, is this hot? What about this? Yeah, kind of. Like I think like that's certainly probably more. Wait, or, isn't it that site where you can closer. ask questions and then guys will respond? So it appears, it appears that, that they have that as an option. Yeah, mm-hmm. that sounds familiar. When I Google, like, <laughs> why isn't he texting after two dates? Okay. For context, this for is a context. website that appeared on our computer as we entered yeah, the room. Yeah, we're not responsible for no. searching Ask Men, nor is it a promotion. I want to start this out by saying thank you for my Real Cooking Deluxe cookie baking set. Yes, for double context... <laughs> we did an informal gift exchange. We did before. an informal gift exchange. And, and by informal gift exchange, they mean I just took it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how they operate these days. But you have had a rather, or you are in the middle of a pretty eventful week. You are mm-hmm. starting tour this week, mm-hmm. which is exciting in support of In Loving Memory of When I Gave a Shit. That's which correct. is one of my favorite albums of last year. <laughs> yeah. And you were, of course, on The Bachelor on this week's episode. I was! And you are in the in the company of some avowed fans here, so they're very happy to talk to you about that. That's true. So excited. I hear you're big fans of The Bachelor already. You're a big I am, fan. I've been a longtime fan of The Bachelor. I've watched every breathtaking do you do, season. Do you do par- like all the other Bachelorette parodies? Oh, yeah. Okay. I do. I do it all. I do the spinoffs. We do the the Bachelor pad. We do Paradise. We take it very seriously. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite? Right this season, you got to sing. You performed during I the did. show, and you performed during my front runner Rachel's. <laughs> yeah, you know it's funny. It's really funny. Um, so we filmed it a, a while ago now, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't. You know, we we filmed like you know, for that moment. So I didn't get a chance to meet any of the other girls. Rachel was the only girl I met that day. Um, but I just simply, I think because I've watched the show and have actually seen all of the seasons and you sort of, after you watch it enough, you sort of, you get the gist and you can start to sort of clock who people are. Mm-hmm. So you can be like, this is the one that they're going to have on for like three more episodes just for the drama. Right. This is the one who's probably actually going to win. You can sort of gauge it. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I got to sit there and talk with Nick, obviously, but also Rachel kind of, like, in between sort of filming and whatever. And um, she's, like, a monster babe, like, and was okay. so <laughs> nice. I thought you were going to say she's a monster. No, no. <laughs> she was amazing and really, really sweet. And um, they didn't show it, but I legitimately looked at Nick and I was like, don't fuck this up. She's pretty great. <laughs> Well, here's hoping he heeds that advice because she's also your favorite, Sam, correct? She's my favorite. I think he's either going to pick that girl uh, whose name I can't remember, but she's always whispering and I... Daniel. I called her a human glass of white wine. Yeah, she's like she's like a tragic past, so I should feel bad. But you right. know what I mean? She's like, oh, he's like 
this? And she's like yeah, a yeah, maternity yeah. like ward. She's the one he was. Baby. Yeah, she was the one he was making out with last night. Yes. Yeah. And the loudest kissing I've ever heard. <laughs> the loudest kissing yeah. I've ever heard. I, I think mind. so. My my sort of my two are Rachel and Vanessa. Vanessa's going to yeah, be I'll be, the Bachelorette. I bet you if she doesn't win. I don't know. Is she the aspiring dolphin trainer? No, that's Alexa. Well, I just think she's still on it. She seems both G and Rachel seem (laughs) too (laughs) reserved in some ways to want to go. Like they just like as their personalities, observing them, they seem like too reserved to want to go. I will admit to be that, the next that Rachel would not make a good bachelorette because she's too nice and calm. She doesn't seem dramatic enough. Yeah, but she Vanessa seems really, really could... with. I mean, they both seem to really like legitimately have their shit together. Yeah, in a way that I feel like would just sort of make them not really want to be on TV. Yeah. I don't know. I'd be disappointed if Rachel showed up in Paradise. Yeah, Rachel should not be on the show at all. No, and she's I've only good. watched one episode. And I can tell Brad you and I literally watched one episode. Yeah. It was last. Night. She's too good for this. Yeah, we can tell this. My actual is. favorite though is Corinne, obviously, because well. she's made for TV. You and know, you identified as queen last night, if I'm not mistaken. On well, Twitter. no, she was like, I'm right. the queen. <laughs> Corinne is great again. I mean, in said. some in some ways, she is a queen. I think. Um, I actually think two things. I think Corinne is not the enemy. She's actually not a mean girl. She's, she's, she hasn't like talked shit about anyone on the show. The only person she's talked shit about is the girl who, who actually was out outwardly and outright nasty to her, which was Taylor. Everyone else was kind of like greatly annoyed by her because she's just such a large presence that you're going to you're going to retain her one of two ways. You're going to be like, "Oh, she's a cute puppy and it's not going to bother you and you're just going to let her do her thing," or she's going to fully grate on you because she's not there's nothing lukewarm about her. Therefore, there's nothing lukewarm about a reaction to her. So, but for pretty much everybody else who was de- who's been dealing with her, except for Taylor, everyone else was just kind of took the puppies approach, and Taylor properly has like lashed out at her, which in turn is why she just kind of did like a Regina George on her. But I don't actually think like Corinne is some like vicious evil mastermind. I think she lives in a bubble. I think she's from like this very very wealthy. I think she represents world. a lot of things that people are not liking right now. Yeah, in terms I, of privilege. I, so maybe there's projection. Completely, there. I completely agree with that. But I mean, at the end of the day, she can't help the fact that she grew up and was raised in this bubble. Like that's sort of just who she is. And so, but then I think you take her and you put her in with these 20 some odd other girls and Corinne, like, you know, like is the definition of white fucking privilege. (laughs) Like she literally, and even if all of the other girls on the show came from relatively middle class families or whatever, like, I don't think any of them had anywhere near the privilege that Corinne has had throughout her life specifically just speaking to probably like the monetary side of things more than anything and um and so that naturally will create tension and resentment anyway you know you're sort of watching this girl kind of have this life where in theory she gets everything she wants because she just kind of lives in that little bubble and it it can be it can be really annoying to watch that and then have to be around it all the time. 
I do also think every season there is that person, the villain, obviously, and then the person who takes it super seriously and in the parlance of DJ Khaled plays himself and ends yeah. up getting, because then no one ever won by going up to the main person and being like, she's a jerk. Look, yeah. like, no, it never works. I'm no, it like, happens every year. Yeah. Or like the bachelorette with Chad and Alex. Totally. Uh-huh. And never, they're never like, I see your point. They're yeah. Like, go home. Both of you go home. Well, I mean, listen, every, every single year this happens, there's one boy or one girl that winds everybody in the house up. And the person who always winds up going to whoever the the main competing person is and and does what you're saying of like this person's mean it's like really ultimately my my two overall actual thoughts about the show are one it's a fucking dating show and everyone is vying for the same person so if you think it's going to be a cuddly teddy bear experience clearly you got into this with the absolute wrong mindset and also um, also like that sort of like f- focus on your own self kind of thing is like, you can't worry about what other people are doing because no, no, no part of that process is normal. No part of like having to watch the, the person that you're trying to like, in theory, marry and spend your life with, make out with like 20 other people in the course of five months. Like nothing about that is normal. And if you're not just like sort of doing a Corinne and focusing on your own stuff, you will totally, I think, get eaten alive by it because emotionally it's really, really odd and really challenging, I think, probably. But it's always interesting when when people are sort of like... It's funny to me when people get fucked off when whoever the sort of villain character makes that that sort of age-old statement of like, I'm not here to make friends. It's like, well, no (laughs) one should technically be there to make friends. That's not really why you're there. So it's always funny when you watch the people get really bent out of shape at the one person who's like, we're not here to make friends. What do you mean? Like, it's such a funny, weird, non-balance of things. To the end of what you said about none of this is real basically can you at all speak did you interact with i mean you obviously interacted with the producers being on the show Mm. but did you see any can you speak to like any sort of like producer machinations that you saw at all even like positioning them because as they were watching you they were canoodling in a very like romantic way and i was wondering the legitimacy of all that (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. take abc down (laughs) um so i i think i can speak a little bit to it so the so I'll say a couple of things that were, um, especially like for me as like a genuine fan and like a member of proud member of Bachelor Nation, I was like happy to see some of these things. Um, the first thing I will say is for all of the editing, it was not as chaotic as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like properly like organized chaos, mm-hmm. like you know what I mean, and it wasn't. It was actually really, um, it was really chill and they generally are sort of unless unless thing like drama wise unless things are heating up on their own they try and keep the environment pretty chill slash happy slash sort of lovey-dovey because that's i think overall like a strong assist to the overall dating situation um The other thing that I found really interesting was, I'm not really sure, I'm not totally certain, like, in my mind what I thought would happen behind the scenes, but one of the things that I 
wound up having a conversation with um, production about was I was kind of like, well, how do you deal with the downtime? And they were like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, you know, when the cameras are down. And they were like, well, cameras aren't really down. And also, like, they're not allowed to be alone. I shouldn't say they're not allowed to be alone together. But for pretty much the majority of the time, like, they're not allowed to be alone. Or if the cameras aren't quite literally on them, like, other people are talking to them. Because if they're off in the corner falling in love and the cameras aren't on it, that's their TV show. So, and I found that really interesting. Um... So I think that's why sometimes the invasiveness when they're capturing these really intimate moments is like, oh my God, how are, how is anyone doing this and dealing with it? Because it seems like it's awkward, but it's their only, it's their only choice. It's their only option. It's, and it's all that they sort of have and rely upon to be able to sort of ca- capture these sort of quote unquote magic moments in the show. But I mean... I think it was also a little hard to tell for like my specific because it was a couple days not like in the house. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a group date. It was. It was a different situation. And also, we were we were legitimately in a music venue too, so you could just walk in and sit down. So I think as far as like like literal setup, they had a table set aside for them, but it wasn't it wasn't posed. It wasn't positioned. It wasn't anything like that. So I don't know. I mean, when when they have like the group date episode where they're all playing soccer, I have no idea. But, um, you know, or stuff like that or like the stuff with the Backstreet Boys, I'm sure that had to be probably more organized in some ways, you know, when they're like in a rehearsal room learning choreography or like whatever it is that they're doing. And it worked out well for you on the music side too. Obviously as a fan you got to experience the fun of that but then people responded really well to Shine and the music and it shot up pretty quickly on iTunes. That must have been pretty cool to see so instantaneously like that song you know really resonate. Um, And I wanted to ask about that song specifically because I love the album and I've been to your show and I've had such a great time there. And a lot of it's really like gritty and aggressive and then shines something that's like very, you know, uplifting. And how was the experience of writing that one different than like sort of like I said, the the more like aggressive tones on the rest of the album? Hmm. Um, so the album as a whole for me was a very sort of necessary and therapeutic thing. And when I began the process of sort of the song that kind of started the making of the entire album is um, I Don't Want to Have to Lie, which is this very real, not very happy song about realizing that you're extremely depressed and um, and kind of need to like admit it to yourself and and start dealing with it instead of being in denial about your own depression and and also not being in denial to other people about it. And so the making of the album was this very intense, uh, honest sort of me putting my feelings down in in a music sense for me to be able to hear and look at and kind of know where I know where I'm at, know where I was kind of thing. And Shine was a song that came Sort of at the end, I was I was in a place where I wasn't necessarily better. I don't know if that's the right word to use, but I was I had gotten to a place where I kind of was like, 
okay, what are you going to do about this? It's fine if you're depressed and it's fine for you to be depressed and talk about it and deal with it and whatever, but what else are you going to do about this? And how are you going to deal with this throughout your life? Because you can't, you just can't like sit here and allow this thing to take over you. That's just like A, not you and B, bullshit. (laughs) That's an excuse. And, um, and Shine was a song that I wrote as a genuine kick in the ass to my own self, really looking myself in the mirror and being like, you're the only, and I mean, it's true for us throughout our whole lives. We're the only people, the only person who can know what we need is, you know, ourselves individually. And ultimately, if we can't take care of ourselves and go fight our own battles and know what we want and go out and do it, well, I mean, no one's going to do it for us. And really... You know, why are you waiting on the world for a favor? This is your life. Go ahead and change it. Why are you waiting on someone else to give you the things that you want? Well, well, it's up to you to go and get them anyways. Like, if people don't know what totally. you want. What can they get you? And it was a very real, genuine look in the mirror. But it was it was also a song that I wrote. I wrote because I needed to write it for myself, but I never intended for it to be mine. I wrote it, and I actually really wanted Kelly Clarkson to sing it. And yeah. I sent it to my manager and I was like hey I wrote this song and I know we're working on everything else but I, I wrote this song and I think it's probably I think it's actually really good but and can we send it to Kelly Clarkson's people and he was like no you're gonna sing this song <laughs> we fought about it for like three months because it's a very emotional song for me yeah and, you know and I mean I think you know specifically speaking to depression specifically it's a thing that you know kind of everyone deals with throughout their life some more than others some longer some shorter you know for me i i <clears throat> most days are really great you know but i still have really hard days just like everybody else does and ha- being able to have shine in my life is a reminder to my own self to remember that i always have to keep helping myself is is really helpful (laughs) yeah and that's so clear listening to you when you sing it and I feel like even for the people who didn't necessarily know your material too well last night that power sort of came through pretty pretty clearly I wanted to ask people who didn't know did you get Mm. a big importing of of support on social did you get Mm. some followers did you get people tweeting like who's that like yeah what was what was the reaction like the reaction is has been specifically to the song shine it's mm-hmm. been really interesting because you know we i i i wanted to try and make the video in a way that would sort of accompany the song and sort of help further tell the story or the the deeper message of the song and since we put it out in the world you know the overall message and response to the message has been really beautiful people genuinely reaching out to me and being like thank you for talking about things that are not necessarily easy to talk about and also thanks for writing something that isn't just like a superficial like reach for the stars and they're like (laughs) thanks for talking about these things in a way that feels real to me I think that's something that means a lot to me you know um because you know ultimately I wrote the song because I want people to feel strong and capable I want to feel strong and capable and I want other people to feel that way too. And, you know, and I think more than anything, there's probably, I mean, there's obviously strength in strength, but there's strength in weakness and there's strength in being um, vulnerable and there's strength in having those moments where you admit to yourself that, you know, you need to sort of try harder and overcome. It's really hard to be 
um, it's hard to be like consciously vulnerable <laughs> like that. And so, but it's interesting sort of having a song like that air in this romantic moment, which in theory doesn't necessarily pertain to the song. Um, but it felt really, it felt really special to sort of have it be in this moment as well. Cause you've got these girls particularly that are like out here, they've left their families, they've left their jobs. They've come to like chase after a ridiculous boy. And, um, and I think having that song sort of be this, like, don't, don't forget to shine, please shine, like shine as you too. Don't shine as like anything else, but, but yourself. That's a cool way to look at it. Like an unusual bit of like solidarity among the bachelor (laughs) women. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it's important. I, I, you know, I think the bachelor catches a lot of flack and can get a lot of shit for being this epic guilty pleasure, but like. Really, I mean, I said this to the producers when I was there filming that day, and they were really sweet. They were like, it's so nice to have, like, a diehard fan here because we don't necessarily always get that. Sometimes we get people who come in there on, they, on the show, and they they have no idea what's no, going yeah. on. They don't watch the show. And <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, people can say whatever they want to say about The Bachelor, but, like, that shit's tough. And you have to be, you have to be really brave yeah. to be able to put yourself out there in any capacity. Some resolve for sure. Because I mean, the truth of the matter is like when you put yourself out there like that, specifically like on a reality show where the only thing you get to in theory be is yourself, you know? Um, and then also like you don't have any control over like what they're editing or what they're putting out there. Like I would be shitting it every <laughs> week like at home. Like, please <laughs> Oh, dear God. Get me out of here. I just listened to an interview with, um, I don't know if you watch Drag Race, but Katya. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Favorite. And um, Katya was saying that after shooting the first season seven, not All Stars, after se- shooting season seven for like three months, it was just basically in bed worrying about what Katya was going to be like on mm. the show. For sure. Because you have no control over that. Because it's totally out of your hands, you know, whereas like... You know, kind of if you do literally anything else in the entertainment world that isn't reality TV, you know, like I, I have control over any every single bit of content that gets seen. So, you know, I can embarrass myself or not embarrass myself as much as I want, you know, and I I would say probably my grandmother's both still being alive is probably like the biggest factor as to probably why I haven't been more of an ass out of myself on social media specifically. (laughs) Um, But, but you know, I mean, it's, it's a huge risk and the response last night was really beautiful. People being genuinely like felt like it was a, felt like they connected with the sort of short little moment that we were there and, the song has seemed to resonate with people and and for me honestly to have the the song be be on the show and be featured on the show was i mean obviously wonderful but for me you know it's a song that i wanted to put out in the world and make people feel better and stronger so any chance that the song gets to uh reach people and sort of brighten their day that's kind of why I do what I do. (laughs) (laughs) And do you think that performance sort of speaks to what people will see from you on tour or how do you, Mm. how would you describe your tour as being similar or different to that little, you know, that little feature on The Bachelor? Well, I mean, it's tough because it was a, 
It was like a long and short moment all at the same time. Right. But, um, but you know, I think if people have never seen me live and then they come and they watch me like hop around like a monkey and scream at them for an hour, <laughs> they're like, what is that furry monster doing up there? Um, but if you know me personally, I'm not quiet and I'm not like mild at all. So when you see it in action, it's a little like... You know, if you've known me personally in any capacity, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Sounds that wild right. child makes sense up there. <laughs> but um, you know, I don't know. For me, I it's sort of like a blessing and a curse of keeping the transparency really high in my life. Um, you know, I took a stance a very long time ago and decided that I wanted to be very honest, which is really, really great and really, really tough. And and applying that to the live show and keeping that very, very real and very, very honest is sometimes physically and vocally exhausting because it's a lot it's a whole lot and um and I have to do all the heavy lifting I mean I play with a band obviously but but it all has to stem from me and I can't call them like a like an understudy yeah. to come do the job I can personally attest to the fact like there's no half-assing I mean there are singers who like sing the hell out of songs and like you sing the hell out of the songs which I love seeing I just as someone who appreciates music um, is there anything in particular, any stop, anyone you're hoping to bump into on tour? Like, what are you most looking forward to from a personal perspective? Mm. Yeah, I think for I think for me, like um, touring in general, I feel so at home. I, I mean, I've spent pretty much every single day of my life since I was like six years old singing. And so to not be singing or to not be touring is just weird. <laughs> um, and... And, and also, my myself as an artist, I'm very much a live artist. So, not not that, like, the recordings and stuff that I do don't matter or don't apply. They're equally as important, but in a, in a very different way, and they play a very different role. Because I think, ultimately, like, one of the things that I've always had a genuine struggle with is trying to be able to sort of capture our live show in a recording which is really, really hard because a lot of it is in the moment and spontaneous and whatever. And so, but I think for me, so we're doing, we're, we're in the middle of this tour. We're going on um, a cruise. The band Train does like the Sail Across the Sun cruise every year and we're going out. And um, I'm actually really excited about it. I've never been on a cruise, and I have, like, an epic fear of deep water. I also, like, love the ocean, and I love being in the ocean. But not, like, you know, the deep shark whale bit of, like, the unknown, like... It's going to be quite a paradox for you. I'm not crazy about it. Like, we don't know what, like, deep water and deep space are, and I don't ever want to go to either of those places. You know what I mean? And yet, off you go. And and yet, there I am. My mother's going, and she is fucking thrilled. (laughs) My mom's going as my plus one. That's amazing. Um, and it'll be really fun. And there's, I think it's also just going to be a, a hysterical laugh. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I think they tend to downplay the sharks down below part of it. And then yeah. they're like, music, yeah. buffet, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I said to my, so I, so um, this is like a, this is like a thing about me that when I tell people, people are like, what? Um, I don't I don't know if it's because I maybe seem like a person that this would not be true, but I have never seen the movie Titanic in its entirety. Oh, we, we haven't even we talk about this almost every day. Yeah, and I know interest in seeing it. Okay, first of all, this is not the time sinks. to see it. Okay. No, not now. The boat yeah, don't, sinks. don't see it now. And also, um and also like I 
the the times I've seen it is like when it's been on TV and I've just been like flipping through kind of thing and you catch you know like the the modeling moment or like whatever <laughs> and um and so I said to my mom I was like see I was like see all those years of having to justify why I never watched Titanic and now I have to be like because I wanted to be able to go on a cruise and I didn't want to scare myself. <laughs> And everybody keeps reassuring me that it's like a moving hotel. And I'm like, see, that is the problem. That's the issue. The moving (laughs) bit. The moving hotel Well, it'll be a test for you. Maybe a new song, perhaps, coming out of the cruise horror nightmare show. Oh, my God. (laughs) I feel like we just talked you out of it, which I feel a little guilty about. really interesting. No, I'm looking forward to that. Don't watch the movie before. At least Escape Um, from Snow, yeah. We're also going up to um, another thing that's happening. So, Davenport, Iowa, which is... Um, a place that has become humongously significant to me in a way that I never thought would have. Um, so Day Trotter is based in Davenport, Iowa, and the man who started Day Trotter 11 years ago, Sean Moeller, still lives there with his family, his wife. And um, we went last year to play like the 10-year anniversary festival and sort of wound up building a really cool friend and fan base there. And there's an arcade bar called Analog, um, and they have tokens, and they've made tokens of Sean Moeller, who started Day Trotter. They made tokens of Ryan Adams. They made tokens of... Who else? They made tokens of... uh, What is her name? Jenny... Lewis. Lewis, yes. And another guy that I can't remember. And they've made a Lolo token. Get out of here. They have. I'll show you a picture. So they've made a Lolo token. And they are... um, So we're playing there on the 9th of February. And the show is almost sold out, which is really exciting. But it's also the the premiere, the debut of the Lolo token that you can start using in the the arcades. So that's another thing I'm really, really looking forward to. Um, but I'm, I'm also just really, here, here's the token and pass it around. And they say Please. in Lolo, we trust. So like in each one, they'll say like, <laughs> oh, in Jenny, we trust, really or in does. Ryan, we trust, in Sean, we trust. So, um, And those are functional? Like you can, those are okay, functional. You perfect. Can so Not they're setting novelty. a whole bunch aside cause I'm going to make, um, I'm going to make earrings out of them. Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm, um, I'm like. I'm really looking forward to being back out on the road. I mean, this they look album. Really cool. Sorry for everyone we'll, who can't we'll see it. We'll post it on the yeah. post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the album has been um, a journey, and you know, I've had a really weird career. I'm a bit of a cat. I've had you know, sort of like five lives already in the industry, and I've done a lot of things, and I've um, and done a lot of different kinds of things on both sides of the creative table. Um, and I think for me, the larger thing and what I always wanted out of my life and sort of what I tell my management and, you know, my lawyers and people like this that I work with to sort of help my world keep spinning. The thing that I've always wanted out of my life is just to be able to do this. I've been extremely fortunate that I've literally never had another job. Like I started working when I was in high school. I got very, very lucky moving here and doing Spring Awakening and sort of having that lead to a million other things that have come in my life. And and I've been, I mean, yes, I've worked hard and I've done all those things, but I've also been extremely lucky that I've always been able to only do this and do what I love. And for me, 
I just want to create whatever that means. And that could mean anything and that could mean with anyone. And I just want to be able to keep doing this. So any chance to be on the road and be creative and be out there and doing what I love is like, it doesn't really matter sort of what scale it is because to be able to do it at all is really, really, really lucky. (laughs) And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to being out there. It'll be an interesting, it'll be an interesting run. I, I spent, you know, three and a half years living in the United Kingdom and, and touring music and playing music over there. And I did, I did like headlining stuff over there, but I've never headlined a tour of any capacity in my own country. So, and this is the first time I'm ever going to be doing that, and it feels really cool. Domestic domination, off we go. Feels good. Um, I cannot stress enough how how very desperately you all need to go see her. All the, <laughs> the tour dates are on lolomusic.com, so please check her out. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one last thing before we go. We, we need to ask for your final Bachelor prediction. Of course. Who's your pick? Let's not be careful. Or like whatever. So I I feel like ABC is going to sort of lightning bolt strike me down for this (laughs) if I say this. It's not like a super reveal. I'm just going to throw a little shade. I kind of think he fucking loves to be on TV. Oh, yeah. And I don't think he's going to pick someone. That is actually. Oh, really? I don't know what's going to happen. That's the thing you can do. I mean, in theory. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Is there a bachelor? I, I, have to pick someone. Oh. I didn't yeah. know that. Wow. I, I, here's what I will say. Okay. I would be very, I, I, I wouldn't be very surprised if he didn't pick someone. Okay. I would be more surprised if he picked someone because. I'm warming up to this idea. Right? Also, <laughs> also, I think, I think if he picks someone, I think it probably should be Rachel, but I don't think it will be. Yeah. Um, I think it could be wine glass girl. Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. Danielle. Yeah. Danielle um, L or M or L. Danielle L. Yeah, Danielle M. Yeah, but I but I don't know. And the only reason I say this is because <laughs> when he was on Bachelor in Paradise, and Sweet What's Her Face was so in love with him, and she and he was like totally fucking leading her down a straight path, like. As he's finding out he's going to be the fucking bachelor. And she's like standing there crying, being like, I'm so in love with you. And I'm like, you are a literal dickhead. Just look at her and be like, sorry, bitch, I'm going to go on TV again. Like, you're really, really sweet, but I can't do this. Like, can you let her go on this whole embarrassing spiel? Because at that point, it had already, I think it had already been announced. Like, the day before that episode aired, it was announced that he was going to be The Bachelor. Wasn't it like a last-minute switch because Luke was supposed to be The Bachelor? Luke was supposed to be The Bachelor, and he pulled out um, of being The Bachelor. He was also, like, the finest Bachelor anything really? in my opinion that they've ever like had yeah his nose weirds me weird out eyes. but he seemed like an okay guy the thing i will say about nick fial is like meeting him in person my like my words like directly after initially meeting him and walking back in and talking to the josh and logan who are my band guys they were like so and i was like listen even if he is a douchebag he is fine as hell <laughs> would you he's say he's so hotter much, in person he's much better looking okay. in person than he is on tv so that's partially also I'm not really why the producers sure. are so enamored of his face. Yeah, I'm not really I'm not, I don't really know what that phenomenon is when like you like he's clearly an attractive person, but there when someone sort of looks one way on on TV or like in a photo or whatever and then you see them in person and there's 
much more striking. Heath Ledger. When I saw Heath Ledger in person, I was, my jaw literally dropped before I even realized who he was. Like through a bar window. And I was mm. like, and I was like, also that's Heath Ledger. It's yeah. A really hot like, dude oh my God. Also, yeah. I once went to this thing and Heidi Klum was there. Um, this was in London and I, and she was there with, she was sort of host, one of the hosts of this thing we were at, but she had brought, um, she was doing like next top model or something overseas and she had all these young sort of like contestants with her and she came walking through the door and she was literally glowing like it's the only person I've ever seen like do this she was literally like glowing and she didn't even like have any makeup on she was just fucking glowing it was it was very strange and amazing and everyone in the room was just kind of looking at her like why, how is she glowing? How is she doing that? It was like, everyone just sort of stopped and watched her walk across the room, like silently, just like jaws dropping. But that's what I think. I think, yeah. because I, I, God love him, I think he's a very sweet man. He he doesn't, he doesn't actually appear to be a piece of work, unlike, and I do think he's taking the, ser- the process relatively seriously but there's a bit of me that thinks he does really like to be on tv and i wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't pick anyone but i also think he should either pick rachel or vanessa and i don't think he'll pick either of them yeah to me they seem at least in my personal opinion the most um currently like marryable in the sense like that they both seem like they're in a place where they're ready to get married. Yes, right. That's another ongoing problem with The Bachelor. Right. Like a 23-year-old aspiring dolphin trainer has is not ready to, to get married. Out. Yeah, yeah. Like, a lot On to the figure out. The first thing she needs ready. to figure out is it's a fucking shark costume. It's yeah. not a dolphin. <laughs> Let's start there. Like long before marriage. But um Let's give her some credit. She's the expert on the matter. Yeah. Of the very true. It's the I Katy mean. Perry shark costume. What do you <laughs> even kidding. mean? I mean, she, she, she dropped the out of yeah, it's like... She kept literally trying to be like, but it's a dolphin. And we were like, bitch, there is internet proof. That is a <laughs> Katy Perry shark costume. Alternative fact. Alternative <laughs> fact. <laughs> Hashtag alternative fact. Oh, dear. All right. Well, thank, thank you, guys you for having so me. much yes. for Thanks coming for in again. Um, for more, uh, be sure to check us out at Pop Crush Music on YouTube and subscribe to us on iTunes and check us out at popcrush.com. Thank you. Stuck the landing. (laughs)